Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code Relevant Radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. A marvelous Monday to you. It's so good to be back with you on The Kale Clark Show for another week. So glad that you can call this number to talk to me for free, 888-914-9149. Once again, 888-914-9149. Lots to get into tonight. We're going to be talking about really some prodigals that have been lost, have suffered loss, and have now been found. Friend of the program uh, got in touch with me over the weekend and said, Hey, Kale, have you seen this? Flip me an article uh, written by Ion Hersey Ali. Now, if you don't know who she is, I'll tell you who she is in just a minute, but she has written a piece and it's up on unheard.com. We'll put the uh, link to this in the show notes. And she's writing this essay called Why I Am Now a Christian. She's a former Muslim. She's actually a former member of the Muslim Brotherhood, then became an atheist, and now she is saying that she is a Christian. This is, this is a, a big shock to a lot of people uh, who know her. She's a research fellow at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Uh, she has her own foundation called the AHA Foundation, based on her initials, of course. Um, Ian Hersey Ali, <clears throat> and she is the author of a book called Heretic, which talks about why she left Islam. And now she, she became an atheist, like I said, and was kind of hanging out with the new atheists, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, all that club. And now it's really fascinating why, why she's saying this, that she is now a Christian. And just a few days ago on the program, when, when Tammy Peterson uh, was on, spouse of Dr. Jordan Peterson, and she almost never made the interview, actually. And I, I, I give Tammy Peterson major props because she was really under the weather uh, that day when she came on the show. And that's in the archives, by the way, on RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app. If you want to listen to the Tammy Peterson interview, uh, you can check it out. It was really, really compelling how she has embraced Catholicism. She's going to be entering the church at the Easter Vigil, Lord willing. And so pray for her husband, Jordan. And Jordan Peterson, uh, the reason she was under the weather is that she had just been in England in London, and she was with Jordan and thousands upon thousands of other people because Jordan has really spearheaded a new organization called the Alliance for Responsible for Responsible Citizenship, or ARC for short. And they had a huge conference in London at the O2 Arena on the 30th of October. It's completely sold out. The talks are pretty much all online on YouTube, so you can check them out. You can check out Jordan Peterson's presentation. And uh, anyways, T- Tammy Peterson, I think, caught something on the plane on the way back, and she was not really feeling well, but she she toughed through it and, and did the show, and I'm so thankful that she did. It really has touched a lot of souls. So once again, uh, please uh, check that interview. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find The Kale Clark Show and also, of course, on the Relevant Radio app. But one of the people who was speaking at that conference, and she was kind of on this roundtable discussion on stage with Jordan Peterson, was Ian Hersey Ali. And she was talking about how she has now embraced Christianity. And she kind of, and some people are really taking her to task for this. Uh, Some people are excited about this. And it's just very interesting. Tammy Peterson herself has embraced Catholicism. And 
and now and I don't really know I don't know what sort of stream of Christianity Ayan Hersi Ali has you know what whether she's going to embrace the evangelical view of Christianity whether she's interested in Catholicism I simply don't know and if you know more about this story than I do then please call in triple eight nine one four. Nine one four nine, and I just I just want to share with you some excerpts from the article that she wrote in unheard.com called "Why I Am Now a Christian." I want you guys to comment on this because I'm sure you guys are going to have a take on this. So she writes this quote: "In 2002, I discovered a 1927 lecture by Bertrand Russell entitled "Why I Am Not a Christian." By the way, just to interject, that's a famous essay, in case you've never heard of this before, Why I Am Not a Christian. And she writes, uh, Ayan Hersi Ali, she writes, It did not cross my mind as I read it that one day, nearly a century after Bertrand Russell delivered it to the South London branch of the National Secular Society, didn't even cross my mind that I would be compelled to write an essay with precisely the opposite title, why I am now a Christian. Now, this was, again, don't forget, this is in 2002, and she says that in 2001, just one year before this, she had condemned the terrorist attacks of 9-11, the 19 men who had hijacked passenger jets, of course, crashed them into the Twin Towers. And she says, quote, they had done it in the name of my religion, Islam. I was a Muslim then, although not a practicing one. If I truly condemned their actions, then where did that leave me? The underlying principle that justified the attacks was religious, after all. The idea of jihad or holy war against the infidels. Was it possible for me, as for many members of the Muslim community, simply to distance myself from the action and its horrific results? End of quote. So, <clears throat> this, is a, this is an important point, and I think it, it really does speak to some other geopolitical events that are happening right now in the world. She, she goes on to say this, quote, At the time, and this is back in 2001, At the time, there were many eminent leaders in the West, politicians, scholars, journalists, and other experts, who insisted that the terrorists were motivated by reasons other than the ones that they and their leader, Osama bin Laden, had articulated so clearly. So Islam had an alibi. This excuse-making, she says, was not only condescending towards Muslims, it also gave many Westerners a chance to retreat into denial. Blaming the errors of U.S. foreign policy was easier than contemplating the possibility that we were confronted with a religious war. And we have seen a similar tendency in the past five weeks as millions of people sympathetic to the plight of Gazans seek to rationalize the October 7th terrorist attacks as a justified response to the policies of the Israeli government, end of quote. So I, th- I think that she hits on something there, uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali, that, that has not really been talked about uh, when we are seeing scenes of thousands upon thousands of people in, in the major cities of the United States and on university campuses across America supporting Hamas. There, a lot of the focus is on the, the plight of the Palestinian people. Not too many people are talking about how they need to be freed from Hamas, but the religious aspect of the confrontation is definitely something that you don't hear talked about much in the media. So let's see what uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali has to say next about this. She goes kind of back to this essay by Bertrand Russell called Why I Am Not a Christian. She says when she read that lecture, 
She said, I found my cognitive dissonance easing. It was a relief, she says, to adopt an attitude of skepticism toward religious doctrine, to discard my faith in God altogether and declare that no such entity existed. Best of all, I could reject the existence of hell and the danger of everlasting punishment. Bertrand Russell's assertion that religion is based primarily on fear resonated with me. I had lived for too long in terror of all the gruesome punishments that awaited me. While I had abandoned all the rational reasons for believing in God, that irrational fear of hellfire still lingered. Russell's conclusion thus came as something of a relief when he said, When I die, I shall rot. End of quote. <clears throat> okay, so that's 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 intriguing. So essentially what happened was when she left Islam, she became an atheist. And 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 now she has as we'll find out later, she has now she's now declared that she is a Christian. And I think it's I think this is probably I'm speculating here. I'm speculating here. But I'm I'm assuming that this is probably a common occurrence. Um when people leave not just Islam, they they very often uh, don't turn to another religion. They don't they don't go from Islam straight to Christianity, or sometimes when people leave Christianity, they don't go straight to another religion. Sometimes they do, but very often they'll they want to escape religion altogether. They want to go to something like atheism, and that's exactly what Ian Hersey Ali has done. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. If you want to weigh in on this. So she talks about a little bit in the article her, her background and the particular brand of, of Islam that she was influenced um, with. She, she um, at the time, was, she's Somalian by, uh, by ethnicity, but she uh, was living at the time in Kenya, in Nairobi, in 1985. And she's in, she's in, right now she's in her mid-50s, by the way, in the present day. And she says in this article, quote, to understand why I became an atheist 20 years ago, you need to understand first the kind of Muslim I had been. She says, I was a teenager when the Muslim Brotherhood penetrated my community in Nairobi, Kenya in 1985. I don't think I had even understood religious practice before the coming of the Brotherhood. I had endured the rituals of, of ablutions, prayers, and fasting as tedious and pointless. But the preachers of the Muslim Brotherhood changed this. They articulated a direction, the straight path, a purpose to work towards admission into Allah's paradise after death. So there's a, there's a direction. And now she says there's also a method. She says, quote, the method, the prophet's instruction manual of do's and don'ts, the halal and the haram, as a detailed supplement to the Quran. The hadith spelled out how to put into practice the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, God and the devil and the brotherhood preachers left nothing to the imagination they gave us a choice strive to live by the prophet's manual and reap the glorious rewards in the hereafter on this earth meanwhile the greatest achievement possible was to die as a martyr for the sake of allah the alternative indulging in the pleasures of the world was to earn allah's wrath and be condemned to an eternal life in hellfire some of the worldly pleasures that they were Against included reading novels, listening to music, dancing, going to the cinema. And she says all of those things I was ashamed to admit that I adored. 
and, and, and it's interesting because she says that, okay, first of all, you can tell that the message, the message that they were preaching was very clear and understandable and very direct. Uh, it was, didn't take, it wasn't very nuanced in, in a certain sense. And then she says this, that the most striking quality of the Muslim Brotherhood was how they transformed her and her fellow teenagers, her friends, from being passive believers into activists almost overnight. And she, she says they did, they did things. We didn't just talk about it. We didn't just pray about stuff. We did stuff. She said the girls would, would start wearing burqas. They swore off wearing makeup, Western fashionable clothes. The guys started growing beards as, as big as they possibly could. And they volunteered uh, charity to the poor, the old, the disabled, the weak. And they urged their fellow Muslims to pray as well and to demand that non-Muslims convert to Islam. They would study the Quran. Uh, they would talk about how to convert their friends and what, what, what to do if, they, if the, their friends proved not amenable to, to these advances. And so they were told by their imams that they could not be loyal to Allah and Muhammad while also maintaining friendships towards unbelievers. And if their friends rejected explicitly an invitation to Islam, they were to hate and to curse them, according to her. This is a quote from her. And she said also that they were taught um, to be hating especially towards Jews. She says, quote, We curse the Jews multiple times a day, expressed horror, disgust, and anger at the litany of offenses they have allegedly committed. She says, quote, The Jew had betrayed our prophet. He had occupied the Holy Mosque in Jerusalem. He continued to spread corruption of the heart, mind and soul end of quote so she says in, in light of this background this is one of the reasons why she found atheism so very very appealing because she says quote bertrand russell offered a simple zero cost escape from an unbearable life of self-denial and what she calls the harassment of other people because for bertrand russell an atheist like him there was no credible case for the existence of god and he said that religion was rooted 100% in fear. He called it the fear of the mysterious, the fear of defeat, and the fear of death. And she said, you know, that was my whole thing. I wanted to become an atheist so I could lose that fear. And so she did. She left the Muslim Brotherhood. She became one of the quote-unquote new atheists. She started actually hanging out in real life with Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, and Richard Dawkins. And she said, man, the more I spent time with these guys, the, the better I felt about my choice because these guys were really super intelligent. They were also really fun to hang out with. They were really fun to hang out with. And so she, this is sort of the path that she found herself on for the last several years. But now she's calling herself a Christian. Why is that? What made her change her mind? Why did she leave then atheism to become which she's identifying now as, as, as in the Judeo-Christian tradition. She, she's calling herself a Christian. We don't know exactly what type of Christian, but what made her do this? We're going to answer that question on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Kale Clark. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. They're a pro-life phone company and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to Relevant Radio or another pro-life charity of your choice. For a limited time, new customers who mention offer code Relevant Radio get a free phone with free activation and free shipping. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the show. That that song is called New Light by John Mayer. And somebody who has received a new light is Ayan Hirsi Ali, author and commentator, former Muslim, former me- member of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, former atheist. She went from that into atheism, and she has now embraced Christianity, has written a big piece about that, came out over the weekend, explaining her position and what changed and if you want to comment on this, you can call in 888 Our listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters right here on the Kale Clark Show, 888 And by the way, I want to thank all of you guys who stepped up to the plate in such a huge way. I mean, you guys just crushed it. Last week was our pledge drive, our last one of the year. We only do this four times a year. You guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, Our goal was to try to raise $3 million to keep Relevant Radio on the air for another quarter. We blew past that number. We're close to $3.3 million right now, and that's because of you guys. So if you didn't get a chance to donate, uh, you can still do so. Get a tax receipt for the end of the year by calling. I'm going to give another phone number here, not to confuse you, 877-291-0123. We've still got friendly operators standing by, 877-291-0123, or go to the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com, and you can always make a tax-deductible donation there. So again, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for all that you've done. And really, it's your vote of confidence in our programming that you wanted to continue, you like what you're hearing, and uh, we appreciate that. We really do appreciate that. And if you uh, want to comment on what you're hearing on this particular episode of the show, again, different number, 888 Nine one four nine. All right, so let's get back to Ian Hersey Ali. Why is she calling herself a Christian now? And then she answers that question in, in her piece. She says, really, there's three things that made her embrace the Christian worldview. Number one, global. It's a, Part of it is global because she says Western civilization is really under threat from three different things. Number one, she calls it great power authoritarianism and expansionism. Specifically, she's talking about the Chinese Communist Party and Vladimir Putin's Russia. No question about that. She's absolutely right about that. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's very clear that we, we can't forget about Ukraine. We, we, I know a lot of people don't want to support the effort in Ukraine, but it is absolutely crucial because if Putin sees that he can get away with this, there is no question he's going to be going for Poland next. There's already people in Russia talking about this. This will not stop with Ukraine unless it stops here. I don't think there's any question about that. It's also going to embolden, of course, any any attempt by China that they might have in mind to try to take over Taiwan. All of that stuff is kind of in the background. So I think she's right about that. The, the authoritarian rulers uh, are definitely back on the world scene. It's become a big, big problem in the global stage sort of the adherence to a rules-based world order that kind of really, you know, we had just had 
Veterans Day, which used to be called Armistice Day, of course, over the weekend on November the 11th. And there was to be this never again, especially after World War II, the idea was never again. We can't, we all kind of have to agree, we can't let bad actors run wild in the world like what happened in World War II. And and, and that, that sort of resolve of the nations is kind of weakening, I think, on a lot of levels. But So that was one thing, the, the, what's going on on the global level. Number two, she says, was the rise of global Islamism, which th- she says, quote, threatens to mobilize a vast population against the West. And the third thing is, she calls it the viral spread of woke ideology, which she says is eating into the moral fiber of the next generation. Okay, so those are the three reasons why she says that she has embraced Christianity. Interestingly enough, so far she hasn't said anything about the truth claims of Christianity itself, but we'll get into that in, in a little bit. So this is Ayan Hersi Ali. And she says that, like in trying to fight some of these these battles against these threats that we were just talking about, she says that we've been trying to use modern secular tools to fight these battles, military tools, economic tools, diplomatic tools, technological efforts, in, in some attempt to kind of persuade people not to do X. But she says, with every round of conflict, we find ourselves losing ground. We're either running out of money with our national debt in the tens of trillions of dollars, or... We are losing our lead in the technological race with China. But we can't fight, she says, these formidable forces unless we can answer the question, what is it that unites us? She says, quote, the response that God is dead seems insufficient. So, too, does the attempt to find solace in the rules-based liberal international order. The only credible answer, I believe, lies in our desire to uphold the legacy of the Judeo-Christian tradition. An elaborate set of ideas and institutions designed to safeguard human life, freedom, and dignity from the nation-state and the rule of law to the institutions of science, health, and learning. End of quote. And then she starts talking about this other author, uh, Tom Holland, not the guy who plays Spider-Man, another guy, he's a historian. Tom Holland has written a book called Dominion. I haven't read this book, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And in that book, apparently he argues that a lot of the freedoms that we now enjoy, market in freedom of free markets, um, freedom of conscience, freedom of the press, none of those things would exist if it wasn't for Christianity and, and, and the Christian worldview. So this is, this is part of why she started to question her atheism. And she started to say that she realized that modern Western civilization was built on the, the uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, warts and all. Like, has it been a perfect, you know, few hundred years? Absolutely not. Has it been a perfect two thousand years? No. But the problem is that she says some of, like, atheists like Bertrand Russell and some of her friends, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, they they don't understand that the very reason they were able to do what they do was because of the Judeo-Christian tradition in in the West. So she gives an example of, of Bertrand Russell. When he gave that, that famous speech, Why I Am Not a Christian, she said that he actually gave that lecture in a room that was full of former Christians, or at least Christians who had their doubts about Christianity. He gave that talk in a Christian country. And she's like, that simply wouldn't happen in a non-Christian country. Think, think about this. I, imagine, if you will, a Muslim philosopher in a Muslim country 
trying to deliver a lecture with the title, Why I'm Not a Muslim. That would never happen. It simply would never happen. There's a guy who wrote a book called Why I'm Not a Muslim, but the guy who wrote that book had to publish it in America under a pseudonym because he, he couldn't give his real name for, for reasons of safety. So she says, look, this is, this is freedom of speech and freedom of conscience and freedom of religion. This is, this is one of the big benefits of Western civilization. And the only reason we have that is because of centuries of, of debates within the Judeo-Christian tradition. This is why we have the advanced studies of science. This is why we have the exploration of reason. Um, she says we built institutions to, to order life, to protect life, talking about laws, guaranteeing freedom to as many people as possible. And she says that, you know, Christ's teaching implied a circumscribed role for religion as something separate from politics. <clears throat> and I think she's right about that. I think she's right about that. Um, I don't, like, there are a lot of people out there who think that America was always a Christian country and, and that Christianity was the official view of the founders of the United States. I don't think that's actually true. I mean, first of all, the founder, a lot of the founders were deists. They might have called themselves Christian, but they were functionally deists. They don't, didn't believe what we believed about God. We had this episode a while back on Jefferson's Bible about how he cut so many things out of the scriptures. He had his own personal translation of the Bible, if you will. Anything that was supernatural, he just took his exacto knife and cut it out. And there wasn't too much left uh, after that, especially in the New Testament and the, uh, the Gospels, talking about things that Jesus did. But, um, and, and if you look at the early documents of the United States, Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, it makes it very, very clear that there is to be no national religion in the United States. So anyways, but that's, that's another topic for another day. Um, having said that, um, the, the point is that nobody should be compelled to, to belong to any religion because they belong to a country, the official religion of a country. Now, speaking for myself here, obviously, I do believe Catholic Christianity to be true, and I try as hard as I can to convince others of this fact, but always with respect to, to their freedom, and, and their freedom has to be respected of this, their freedom of conscience, and they can walk away from it. don't think they should, but they should definitely look into the truth claims of it. Anyways, uh, as far as Ayan Hersey Ali goes, she, um, she just kind of realized, she says that she came to a realization that atheism was not going to be a worldview that would be able to defend, she says, defend us, and by us I think she means the West, against our menacing foes. And she said she also turned to Christianity because she found life without any spiritual solace unendurable, self-destructive. In other words, there was no meaning or purpose to life within the atheist worldview. So this is kind of interesting because the, the atheists kind of had this experiment that they wanted to run in, in the West. And the, the experiment was essentially this. What would happen if you took Christianity out of the equation? If you tried to vacuum up, or like a great metal detector or something, magnet, try to, try to, try to, to just magnetize and soak up every single aspect of Christianity out of the culture, what would you have? And I think that they believed that you'd have some sort of an atheistic utopia in which everybody would get along. It's a little bit like the song Imagine from John Lennon, the worst song of the 20th century, by the way. Maybe one of the worst songs of all time, if not the worst. But, but that's not what happened, though. 
That's not what happened. When, when atheism kind of took hold, that is not what happened. Instead, people replaced the God piece with something else. She, she mentions this in her, in her article. She says that, quote, Bertrand Russell and other atheists believe that with the rejection of God, we would enter an age of reason and intelligent humanism. But the God hole, the void left by the retreat of the church, has merely been filled by a jumble of irrational quasi-religious dogma. And the result is a world where modern cults prey on the dislocated masses, offering them spurious reasons for being and for action by engaging in virtue-signaling theater on behalf of a victimized minority or our supposedly doomed planet. And then she talks about G.K. Chesterton. And a line attributed to G.K. Chesterton, who said, When men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. They then become capable of believing in anything. End of quote. So, th- this, is, this is, I think, a, a big weakness, of course, uh, in the society. She says, hey, we can't withstand China, Russia, and Iran if we can't explain why it matters that we do. We can't fight woke ideology if we can't defend the civilization that it's determined to destroy. We can't, we can't counter Islamism and terrorism with purely secular tools. To win the hearts and minds of Muslims here in the West, we have to offer them something more than videos on TikTok. End of quote. And so, she talked about, like, going back to her time with the Muslim Brotherhood, one of the things that, that made them so successful is she, she said they had, they had a unifying story. They had the power of a unifying story. And that would enable them to mobilize the masses. And she says, we, we've got to offer something just as meaningful to people or else the society will continue to erode. But she says, we, you don't have to look far because Christianity has it already. And she says at the end, this is kind of the end. She says, quote, that is why I no longer consider myself a Muslim apostate, but a lapsed atheist. Of course, I still have a great deal to learn about Christianity. I discover a little more at church each Sunday. But I have recognized in my long journey through a wilderness of fear and self-doubt that there is a better way to manage the challenges of existence than either, than either Islam or unbelief had to offer, end of quote. So, I don't know what you guys think about this, about, about her reasoning, but uh, call in 888-914-9149. A lot of people are, are critical of, of her um, some people are saying, if you read comments about this um, on the internet, whether in this, the comments underneath this particular article and just on Twitter and stuff like that, a lot of people are saying, oh, she's just a grifter. This is, she's just becoming or saying that she's a Christian now because that's kind of the trendy thing to do in light of what's happening. Um, when she left Islam, she embraced atheism because the new atheists were all the rage at that time and she kind of rode their coattails and now that you know everything's a problem with hamas and 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 and, and atheism doesn't seem to be uh a worldview that can withstand the, the the pressures of the day now she's turning to the judeo-christian worldview well i think that's a little bit uncharitable um i think that's pretty uncharitable to to ascribe those motives to her let's assume that she's working in good faith here i and hersey ali and let's assume that, um, and, and, and you know what, she, she may not have it all figured out yet. And she even says that. She says, I'm still learning about Christianity. I haven't quite figured it out yet. And by the way, you, you, can, you can find the roundtable. You can go on YouTube and you can find the roundtable that she has with Jordan Peterson and a few others. 
at the ARC conference, the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship in London. And she talks about a little, this in a little bit of detail, very much what I've just told you about um, her search for faith. And in some ways, I don't think this is a bad way to approach it because she may be looking at this in sort of a practical way, like which worldview is going gonna, is gonna to work best for the world right now. But, and, and like I said, like maybe she has looked into some actual questions about the faith. Like, did Jesus exist? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did he really do miracles? These are things that I try to talk about all the time on the Faith Explained program and on this show. She may be only looking at things from a practical point of view right now, as in which worldview works the best for society, for culture. And she thinks it's Christianity right now. And at the end of the day, it's not about the results. It's about whether or not it's true. It's not about whether I like it or whether it works, but it's about whether or not it's true. And here's another line from Chesterton. She quoted Chesterton. I'm going to quote Chesterton here. When he was asked, why are you a Catholic? Why did you become a Catholic? Why did you convert to Catholicism? His answer was, because it's true. And ultimately, that's the only good answer, because any other answer, you're, it's because of convenience or um, for some other reason other than its truthfulness. So that, that has to be the key here. But, but here's the other thing about this. If it is true, if it does happen to be true, then it also stands to reason it's going to actually work better in reality. And Jesus talked about that as well, by the way, in the Gospel of John. He eventually said the proof is in the pudding here. He said, if anyone wants to know whether my teaching comes from God, let that person actually live out the teaching. Let him do the teaching. And then he or she will know whether or not I have been sent from God. So it's a challenge to try it because it does actually work in real life. It doesn't mean that we'll have a problem free existence or we won't come up against resistance or people that hate us because we're, we're Catholic Christians, but it does work because it is in accord with reality. It is in accord with reality. It may not be popular, but it is real. So, in, in a sense, that might not be a bad place for Ayan Hirsi Ali to start by just, hey, this is working for me. I'm going to run with it. And, and you know what? That that if she if it's true, then she's she's still on the right path, even if she doesn't know the intellectual reasons for it. But she can still come up with those as she as she goes along and investigate some of these other questions. So, I don't think we should ding her for if she is looking at this from a purely practical perspective. But I want to hear what you guys think about this. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the number to call. Triple eight nine one four. 9149. We're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to come back with your phone calls. Once again, that number, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. Helping you keep your mind off traffic and on the more important things in life. It's Kale Clark on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call. So good to have you with me on the program. We're talking about the conversion to Christianity of the former Muslim, the former atheist, Ayan Hirsi Ali. She's written about this, and we're going to put a link to the article in the show notes so you can check it out when the podcast is up, uh, which should be a few minutes after showtime. If you missed anything that we've been talking about before, you can catch it on the Relevant Radio app or wherever you grab your podcast. But let's go to the phones right now. Once again, 888 let us go to Dave in Miami. Hi, Dave. 
Good evening, Kale. God bless you and everyone at the Relevant Radio. Uh, very interesting topic, and I wanted to make uh, two points as, as I sure. heard you talk about I am uh, Hersey. Yeah. The, the first point is the transformation from, from radical Islam to atheism to, to Christianity. Uh, reminds me of St. Augustine's quote, our hearts are restless till mm. they rest in me. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's just like people, and, and you see it everywhere since, the, you know, the Western population, Western civilization backed away from the church. They backed away from God. And you just see people are restless. They're, they're nervous. They're anxious. And they don't know what to turn to, where, where to go when the answer is very clear. We, we know the answer is God. Mm-hmm. We know it's in the yeah. Catholic Church. And, and that was the first thing that popped into my head. Um, second point is her, her reasoning for Christianity, or she calls it the Judeo-Christian, let's say, worldview, yeah, uh, seemed to me very uh, a little bit materialistic, and I'm, I'm not saying she's a grifter. I don't know what's really in her heart, but I did think of the the sower and the seed, and being, uh, you know, if you're only caught up in the cares of the world, your your faith just can't last. It it's, it just will not be a lasting, enduring faith. And that's, I guess, the prayers that she is, uh, you know, it the 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 word has fallen on uh, on good soil with Ian Alhersey and everybody else. And those are just hmm. two observations I thought. Yeah, David, I appreciate that call. Thanks very much for that call and for uh, uh, appreciating what we do here at Relevant Radio. We appreciate you calling in. And as far as your points, yeah, I agree with you one one thousand percent that that the dictum of Saint Augustine comes to mind. This is, of course, from his famous Confessions, a book that's so relevant for all time, one of the greatest books ever written, and probably one of the greatest lines, if not the greatest line written outside of the Bible, when he said, you've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And and Ian Hersey Ali, in her article, she kind of did talk about this, she called it the God, the God hole that is left in society without, when you, when you subtract Christianity from Western culture, which is its foundation is Christianity, and, and people don't realize how much of it is based on the Judeo-Christian worldview until they stop believing. And then people start to question, well, what is this, what is this all based on in, anyways? And, and there's, no, there's no question that people, that people everywhere, including Augustine himself, who had tried a lot of different things, he was in a cult, he was in illicit relationships, he tried sensuality, nothing worked, nothing satisfied him until he turn to Christ. That That is absolutely the case. And and, and again, like I said earlier, um, to your other point, I, I do think it's a little bit harsh that some people are accusing her of just kind of, you know, licking her fingers, sticking it up in the air and seeing which way the wind is blowing. And, and okay, this is, I'm, I'm now on this worldview train because it's, it's going to be the relevant thing to do um, to keep my notoriety going. I, I think we should Give her the benefit of the doubt. I think, assume that she's sincere. Pray for her. Let's pray for her. And um, and I, I don't think there's any reason to doubt what what, what she's saying here, just on, on the face of it. So, um, and she even admits, she, like I said, she's got a lot to learn about this, and she's uh, she's on the journey. And uh, again, check out check out her appearance at the Ark Conference. It's on YouTube. I was listening to a little bit of it earlier. Um, fascinating. 
fascinating. And if it gets people thinking, I mean, she's a major public figure. People have know her work very well. And uh, she's probably going to draw a lot, of, a lot of other people into the conversation. Um, and it's already being talked about a lot. Um, so I was uh, really thankful when a listener uh, sent this uh, piece to me. By the way, if you want to send me an article as well, if you want to become a shadow producer of the show, if there's something that you see there, think, oh, maybe Kale might want to comment on this, you can send me an email. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. Check it out or find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So that was kind of interesting that, um, that you know, she was feeling so lost and has now found, well, I don't know if she's found Catholicism, but she certainly found Christianity uh, so far. Another person that I was reading about as well was, and it's kind of an appropriate day to talk about this, is Jim Kelly. Now, if you don't know who Jim Kelly is, he's the former quarterback, Hall of Famer of the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills are playing on Monday Night Football tonight against the Denver Broncos. On paper, it looks like an easy win for the Bills, but uh, one never knows. The Broncos have kind of shown some signs of life. Uh, They're not giving up 70 points in a game these days. Um, Maybe Sean Payton has got the ship righted. I don't know, but um, all I know is for me to stay in first place in the East Division of the relevant radio fantasy football league, I need this game, and I'm I'm playing the great John Hanrady's team. Gabe Davis from the Bills is on my team, and I need him to have a big night to overtake Hanrady, so... We'll see. I started off the season 0-3, and I'm somehow in first place. I don't know what happened, but uh, um, hey, it, it's a battle every week, I'll tell you. But Jim Kelly used to be the Bills quarterback long before the days of Josh Allen, and he led the team to four Super Bowls in a row in the 90s, very famously, and the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row. Feats that have never been accomplished before or since. And Jim Kelly has dealt with a lot of loss in his life. That is definitely definitely true. But he has now also embraced faith. The tragedy is he, he's embraced faith in Christ, but the tragedy is that Jim Kelly uh, grew up in the Catholic Church. In fact, was an altar boy, was a lecturer in church, and um, grew up in Pennsylvania. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, I'm happy for him, but I'm also thinking, why couldn't this have happened in the Catholic Church? In fact, um, what happened to Jim, this sounds an awful lot like what happened to me. Um, A little bit about my story. I I grew up Catholic. I was kind of a Catholic in name only, had a lot of doubts, a lot of questions, left the church, came back to Christianity in university, some Protestant evangelicals. Well, really, they're kind of fundamentalist Baptists, to be honest with you. Um, Knocked on my door, answered my questions, amazing people, at the end of the day, they gave me the evidence about Christ that I, I I didn't really have a good foundation in prior to that. Did he rise from the dead? Did he do miracles? All that stuff we were talking about earlier. And when I got to the point of belief, they said, well, you have to get rebaptized because th- this is what's called believer's baptism. Now, I'd already been baptized, of course, as an infant. Baptism is a once-for-all sacrament. You can't, rebaptism does not work. It does not work. But that's exactly what Jim Kelly did. He was baptized again. Um, and, and the article makes a good point, by the way, in The Athletic. He was profiled by Dan Pompey. Really good article, actually. It's a, it's a beautiful article. Um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, he got rebaptized in his backyard, in his backyard pool by, a, by a, an evangelical minister. And 
the article men, men, mentions that the first time he was baptized, baptized it wasn't his choice, but now this is fully his his choice. Well, anyways, um, the poor guy he, he's been through the ringer. Um, his he he had he had um, he, he discovered um, back in 2018 that he had squamous cell carcinoma in his upper jaw. He had a 12 hour surgery. They had to to take his uh, his left uh, fibula and break it into four pieces and use that to reconstruct his upper jaw. They took arteries and blood vessels from his arm, moved them to his jaw. He had a prosthesis put in with false teeth. Um, when he when he found he had cancer of the jaw, by the way, it was already at stage four, and the doctor gave Jim Kelly less than a ten percent chance to beat that because it was so close to his brain, and. The doctor told him at the time, listen, I know you're a Christian, you believe in miracles. That's a good thing because you're going to need one. And he did survive. He did survive. But he, he's been, his body has been racked with injuries from the time he was six years old. He, he crashed through a glass door when he was a kid and a shard of glass uh, cut his neck. He had 40 stitches on that occasion. The last play of his college career, he played for the University of Miami Hurricanes. His throwing shoulder was blown apart on, uh, on a hit. Um, Three metal rods were put into his shoulder, and that basically took him through his whole pro career, 4,000 completions. Four cancer surgeries in total, 20 surgeries overall in his life, two plates and 10 screws in his back, one plate, six screws in his neck, a screw in his left knee, mesh in his abdomen, where he had double hernia surgery on two occasions, uh, had ankle replacement surgery, had an infection there. Um, just, Just absolutely nasty. So... Recently found out he had basal cell uh, carcinoma because he found some pimples on his nose and chin that looked kind of strange. They found out that was cancerous. Half his left nostril was removed. A chunk of his chin was taken off as well. Then he had a stroke this past May in his left retina. I didn't know you could have a retinal stroke. That's That was a new one on me. Um, the guy is literally the walking wounded here. Um, there, there's even more. There's even more, but I, I don't want to get into it. Um, but he is very, very much at peace. He also suffered not only the the, the four Super Bowl losses in a row, but uh, the loss of his son, Hunter. Uh, real, real tragedy. Um, uh, his son, Hunter, was born, and uh, he was born when he was still playing for the Bills with a terminal condition, and uh, he wasn't expected to survive very long. He survived for eight years, and um, it was... Um, Really, really a tragedy. I've heard, I've heard about Hunter's Hope, the charity that that uh, Jim Kelly founded uh, years ago in the memory of his son. But he's he's really had a lot of loss in his life, and um, I, I'm really happy that he that he's he's found faith. But and this this often happens in the NFL that um, there are a lot of Christian Bible studies that happens on that happen on teams. Of course, with the Bills, Frank Reich was his backup quarterback. He's now the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, evangelical guy. I heard Frank Reich give a talk once at a, at a men's conference during my years in evangelicalism. It was quite good. And I heard Kelly speak once too. And um, at any rate, uh, it's just it's just unfortunate that he didn't check out Catholicism um, and didn't kind of. He obviously wandered away from faith for a while during his playing career. He was kind of into partying and stuff like that. Um, and really used it to kind of cope with with the, the tragic condition of his son and uh, but he's really he's come back to faith i'm really happy to hear that but um i I wish i wish that he had taken another look into catholicism and 
Uh, but again, I'm guessing that his situation was probably a lot like mine was uh, way back when, and that he just did not get a good foundation in the faith and didn't get good formation intellectually, philosophically, and um, you know, the big questions of life hit. Um, you often uh, don't have the equipment that you need to, to answer those. So at any rate, a touching piece on Jim Kelly. I will put a, a link to that in, in the show notes as well. But hopefully he'll... Uh, Welcome back to the Catholic Church. Give that a, give that a second look, and uh, hopefully the Bills will pull off a uh, a win tonight. He still goes to a lot of games in Buffalo. And uh, apologies to any Broncos fans out there, but uh, I think you guys know I'm a, I'm a Bills fan. So, anyways, well, it's it's great to be back. And uh, on this Monday again, I want to say thank you to all of you who donated to our Join the Family Fall Pledge Drive. It was our last one of the year, uh, but even though it Tactically ended on, on Friday, and we kind of blew past our totals. Uh, needed to raise $3 million. We are well over that total as of this broadcast. Uh, you can still make your donation as well, tax-deductible, and get that tax receipt, that end-of-year tax receipt. You want to make a gift uh, because of Thanksgiving, which is coming up soon, and um, you're thankful for Relevant Radio. We're, we're grateful for your support. RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, or you can call this number, 877 877- Two nine one zero one two three, and I'm pretty sure that they will still honor the pledge drive premiums, all all the gifts that we have uh, on the docket. I, I think they're probably still up there on the website, relevantradio.com, the Relevant Radio app, eight seven seven two nine one zero one two three. So we we've got a ton of great stuff that I want to talk about this week. I can't wait to get into it. I want to leave some surprises for you, so you'll just have to tune in tomorrow. But also, don't don't forget to listen to the Faith Explained show, because we're really trying to climb Mount Everest on the Faith Explained right now. We're going through St. Paul's letter to the Romans. Uh, but fear not. It's an exhilarating climb. It's definitely the one of the one of the most on the surface of things, it's one of the most difficult letters to understand in the New Testament. But once we get a few principles straight in our minds, um, we can actually make a lot of sense of it. And, hey, we're in good company. Even St. Peter, the first pope, said there's stuff in Paul's letters that even I don't get. You know, I, I, But this is why we have the church to guide us through these things, and uh, it's important to get the right interpretation. And it's the greatest letter ever written by anyone. Speaking of letters, don't forget, you can write to me. Your questions and comments are always welcome kale at relevantradio.com c-a-l-e at relevantradio.com is the email address you can find me on the x app at kale clark c-a-l-e clark with an e all right so coming up we've got trending with timory timory is ready to go she is on the docket she is raring to go and then father rocky with the family rosary across America. Father Simon apparently is stepping in. My producer Jim just told me in my ear. And yes, Jim Schaefer did produce today's episode. And Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Alright, we'll be back tomorrow. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.